Hello and welcome to night number 30 of 31 Nights of Fright, year 4, the Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Okay, night 30 brings us to one that I was actually kind of excited to get to because I wanted to, for one, rewatch it. For another, it's a movie that completely took me by surprise. I went into watching it with no expectations and it wound up being a pretty wonderful movie and wonderful sequel to a certified Stephen King classic. Even if Stephen King didn't exactly like the movie that this was a sequel to. Before I get too far into talking about anything, I think it's time that we announce the movie. Starring Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, Kylie Curran, Cliff Curtis, and Zahn McLaren. This is the 2019 Mike Flanagan directed Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep tells the continuing story of Dan Torrance, who of course was in the first Shining film. Him and his mother survived and moved to Florida. Now as an adult, he stopped using his shine. In an effort to cope with it, he goes and becomes an alcoholic. Essentially homeless, sleeping with any woman that'll have him, Dan honestly is a mess. Dan proceeds to get a visit from Dick Halloran and turns his life around. He's nicknamed Dr. Sleep as he works in a hospice to comfort and guide patients to the afterlife. There is also 13-year-old Abra, who has the shine as well as Danny. She connects with him, but this also gets the attention of the True Knot. The easiest way to describe the True Knot is they're very vampire-esque. They are a group of nomadic, somewhat immortals that feed off a person's essence and shine in death. The greater the shine that the person carries with them, the greater food that they get to eat, which is why they are after young Abra. Dan decides that this could be his one chance at almost redemption by helping Abra, for one, harness her shine, but another, to escape the True Knot and their leader, Rose the Hat. First thing on this one, I did not read the book. I have a passing enjoyment of The Shining. I like it a lot. It's not one of my absolute favorites, however, I do recognize it as being one of the greatest horror films of all time. When I originally heard that Stephen King was following up his The Shining novel with a novel of itself, and hearing that it's basically Danny teaming up with a group of nomadic vampires that tour across the country, I was a little skeptical on it. For one, King was trying to go home again by revisiting that universe. The Shining is a very loved novel, and it's a loved film. I also didn't understand how that plot that was originally released of what the book was about, how in the world would that tie into The Shining? Thankfully, it was only 50% right as far as what the actual plot was. Even more strange was that they decided to sequelize it in a film. I was originally thinking that this wasn't going to be an actual continuity sequel between the original Stanley Kubrick Shining film, and Dr. Sleep that Mike Flanagan was directing. I thought it would be a sequel follow-up where they just changed a whole bunch of things and we know it's a sequel, but it was just going to have little flashes and flourishes of the original, but not an actual sequel. But I was completely wrong on that. This is 100% an honest-to-God sequel to the original Stanley Kubrick, 1980, The Shining. 
even more surprising is that this movie is just as good, in my opinion, as the original The Shining, if not a little bit better. I went into it with absolutely no expectations whatsoever. I heard that it was great from a lot of people, as well as critics. And I have to say that Dr. Sleep is possibly one of the greatest sequels ever made. Everything from the amazing direction from Mike Flanagan, the fantastic acting from Ewan McGregor, as well as Rebecca Ferguson, it's truly astonishing how good this movie is. Director Mike Flanagan even had the bold choice to recast the original roles of Wendy Torrance, Danny Torrance, Dick Halloran for some flashback scenes, and they look fantastic. All of these actors, they don't exactly look like the originals. They kind of put their own spin and take on the characters, yet it all appears completely genuine. And I think because of that, it fits with the original better than what I ever thought it could have. Director Mike Flanagan could have even went the lazy way out and not reshot any of the footage, but yet he does. It would have been far too easy to simply just reuse some of the scenes from the original Kubrick, The Shining. But instead, Mike Flanagan did reshoot these scenes, he did add his own flair to it, and it works beautifully. Not just as its own thing, but also as a true sequel to the original. I honestly don't know how this film didn't score any Oscar nominations. It's definitely worthy of it, in my opinion. Somehow we live in a world where Dr. Sleep earned two Razzie nominations? Seriously? How in the hell does that even work? Ewan McGregor gave an Oscar-worthy performance. It's also a wonderfully multi-layered performance throughout. It's hard to not even be a little bit moved or to be struck emotionally when he's having an honest talk with his dad when they make it to the Overlook at the end of the film. It's one of the most emotionally honest scenes I think in any film. He's still dealing with trauma that he suffered as a child, as an adult. And when Jack Torrance keeps denying his son that, oh no, it's not me that you're talking to, I think you have me confused with somebody else, it honestly is a heartbreaking scene. For those few moments where they do show Jack Torrance, you have to give it up for Henry Thomas of doing a fantastic spin on the Jack Nicholson portrayal of Jack Torrance. He looks the part with all the prosthetics and makeup that they had on him, I'm assuming it's a wig as well. He really does surprise here. I think that's one of the things that struck me the most is that for one, the movie has a lot of emotion and a lot of heart to it, but also that it shows Mike Flanagan had a definite love of the material. He also tried to please both fans of the original The Shining novel as well as fans of the original Kubrick film. I was very impressed by how there's so much care to not tick anybody off and simply please both types of fans. That brings us to another thing with Dr. Sleep. Leave it to Stephen King to completely reinvent the vampire as we know it. Instead of drinking blood with a guarantee of immortality, these vampires are very much mortal. They just have a very extended life. I really like the take and spin on the vampire type of creature. I'm not a huge fan of vampires in general, however when they're done right, they're done really well. When a unique spin is put on the vampire, and winds up being somewhat believable, well, it's fantastic. I think Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat is a great antagonist to Danny and Abra. 
You can see and understand how she's able to pull new followers into the true knot. As she's very convincing, she's very seductive. She makes that all-important promise to prospective members by telling them, live long, eat well. One of the most interesting things about the true knot is that they're cannibalistic as well. They have no problem taking the shine and the essence, which is shown here as steam, we're told that they eat steam from one of their members that die. I'm guessing the members of the True Knot do not go on to an afterlife and simply just cease to exist. The cannibalistic part comes with the death of the character Grandpa Flick, played by actor Carl Strucken. He proceeds to die, and when he does, he lets off a lot of steam. The other members of the True Knot proceed to suck in all of his essence, even though just a moment before, they seem to be sad and broken up and almost couldn't look at one of their dying members. I get the feeling that that's one reason why the True Knot wanted to live forever, because they are in fact scared of death. The True Knot in a way reminds me of a group of uh, traveling carnival members in a way. They almost seem like they would be carnies, simply because they call everybody else that's not a part of their group, they call them rubes. It gave me a little bit of a flashback to the TV show Carnival that was on HBO, a show that if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. They also all have nicknames. In addition to Rose the Hat, we have Crow Daddy, Snakebite Andy, and Barry the Chunk, just to name a few of those. It was very surprising how the True Knot was very fleshed out in this film. It's not a matter of agreeing with what they do because what they do is terrible. Specifically with one scene where director Mike Flanagan chooses to show us just how vicious and brutal they actually are. It shows the torture and killing of a child, which is honestly a tough scene for me to watch. We're not shown a lot of the violence, however, we do hear a lot of it, and it doesn't necessarily lessen the impact. But director Mike Flanagan really does make an effort to flesh it out so that we understand what they do and how they are with their creed and their lifestyle. And that's another thing with this film that it could have gotten messy as far as trying to balance all of the story, as well as some of the more fantastical elements in the film, such as the psychic link between Dan and Abra. A lot of those types of scenes in films can come off as clumsy and really take us out of the moment in the film. But somehow it's so well done that we're able to go along with that. The fantastical moments don't really seem like they're too out of the realm as far as believability in this movie. I really did enjoy the relationship between Abra and Dan. As much as he doesn't want any part of it because he doesn't want to open himself back up to using his shine, he's convinced by Dick Halloran to pursue this and maybe he can help Abra. I get the feeling that the character of Abra throughout the film is simply looking for a friend. She's looking for somebody similar to herself. It just so happens to be a grown man that has the same gift and power. She lovingly calls him in the film Uncle Dan. I think the friendship between the two characters was really carried out well in the film. As a true testament to the excellent direction from Mike Flanagan, I really like the dream sequence where Rose the Hat decides to play a visit to Abra. It's visually lush and we also get to see that our thoughts and memories and maybe our essence is almost like a library or filing system inside our own minds. Which is also something that type of idea was included in the film Dreamcatcher. I don't know if it was included in the book or not. 
It just gave me that kind of feeling about it. The scene also reminded me of Twin Peaks to Return. It reminded me of when Agent Cooper is kind of floating in limbo in a dreamlike alternate reality state. It's well done and it's probably one of my favorite sequences next to the meeting between Dan and Jack. As well as the ending where we see Dan make the decision to blow up the Overlook Hotel. And his last moments of life are seeing his mother and his mother more or less seeing him as a child again. It's very heartfelt, moving stuff. That's where the movie differs from the book because in the book, Dan Torrance survives. However, in the film, he's killed off. If they ever wanted to actually retcon this ending, they probably could. I think it would hurt the emotional ending of Dr. Sleep. But they could definitely change it if Stephen King was to write another novel featuring Dan Torrance. And Warner Brothers would want to make a sequel. It does more or less leave it open here. However, when we get Abra's final moments in the epilogue to the film, we see that Dan is finally in peace. He's also still visiting Abra. It also gives Abra some comfort knowing that her father, who was killed earlier in the film, is at peace as well, just like Dan is. As I stated earlier in this episode, this movie really hit me like a ton of bricks, really. I wasn't expecting much, and I do like The Shining, but it's not one of my all-time favorites. With Doctor Sleep, we have a film that's filled with a whole bunch of great moments, some tough ones to see. One of the moments I didn't mention about is when Dan is actually leading and comforting patients at the hospice who are scared to die. Dan lets them know that there is something after. Doctor Sleep is a film that is a movie that on paper should not have worked. It's big, it's bold, it takes chances. The chances it takes surprisingly work, but somehow the movie does work. Mike Flanagan did an excellent job here. All the actors involved were fantastic as well. It interlocks into Stanley Kubrick's 1980 original, when in all honesty, it shouldn't have. Dr. Sleep is a great film that I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you have already seen it. If you haven't, you owe it to yourself to, for one, watch the Stanley Kubrick original, The Shining, and then watch Dr. Sleep and prepare to be amazed. This is a film that I can only give my highest of recommendations. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you need to catch up on past episodes of either 31 Nights of Frights or my weekly podcast, Adam Analyzes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach out to me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as create new content. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I will see you back here tomorrow for night 31, the final night of 31 Nights of Frights.